0: In terms of emotionally, there is uh, horror and dismay um, at what is happening. There is, was, fear, um, but when you talk about the, uh, the steps in the grieving process, uh, I've kind of come to the acceptance phase of it.
1: We beamed up Bryn Hill a year ago. She told us this and even wrote a book on it. It looks like a piece of her worst nightmare has come to pass. Hello again everybody, I'm Carly Chardonnay Webb. This is the Transporter Room. The intersection of sports, transness, sci-fi, gaming, all things nerd and geek, and a lot of other stuff, but there's not much other stuff this week because of the news that has just been leaked. According to a leak reported to several sources, Roe v. Wade could be overturned by the United States Supreme Court. What this could mean for a wide cross-section of Americans is frightening. Politico obtained a draft of a majority opinion written by Justice Samuel Alito that would strike down Roe v. Wade. Now the news has sparked demonstrations and reactions across the country. According to the draft, the court would overturn Roe v. Wade's holding of a federal constitutional right to an abortion. This would be the most consequential abortion decision in decades and would transform the state of women's reproductive health in this country. The final opinion has not been released as of yet. The votes and the language can change before it is released. The opinion in this case is not expected to be published until late June. Now, in a statement, the Supreme Court confirmed the authenticity of the leaked document, but noted that it does not represent any decision in the case. Chief Justice John Roberts said the court will investigate the release of this draft opinion, calling the episode, quote, a singular and egregious breach of trust. Now, the effects of this have gone far and wide across the interwebs, across social media. Bryn Tannehill, whose voice you heard at the beginning of this podcast, said on Twitter, quote, reading through the leaked decision, Alito makes it clear that Obergefell and Lawrence will be overturned. This means same-sex marriage will be illegal again in 30-plus states, and homosexuality illegal in at least 12. It's not if, but when. This is a stage 5 cancer diagnosis for LGBT rights. Amara Jones of TransLash Media also said via her Twitter, The entire reason that I launched Trans Bodies, Trans Choices is because it's clear that the next front in who controls our bodies is over the bodies of trans people. The same groups behind the anti-abortion movement are also behind the anti-trans movement. The bottom line is that it's time for progressives to stop looking at abortion rights and trans as separate when the right is fighting them as a unified intersectional battle over who controls our bodies. Civil rights lawyer Chase Strangia of the ACLU had this to say, quote, if you are out here saying marriage equality is next, please do you keep in mind that at least one state has made care for trans youth a felony right now and is currently in court defending that law. There is no next. The horror is now. Now, Tannehill, as we said, was on the transporter room last year and talked about the legislative and electoral underpinnings of what we're seeing. And it's worth a second listen. Since the end of
0: the Cold War, we've seen a new type of autocratic regime arise called the competitive autocracy, where only one party can win, but there's still elections and they still kind of feel like real elections, but they really don't matter because you know which party's going to win regardless. And we're seeing that not just in places like Hungary and Poland and Russia and Turkey, but places like Wisconsin and North Carolina where voter suppression and uh, gerrymandering ensure that Republicans always end up winning regardless of how people actually vote. What does this mean for the United States and where we're going? And I have the distinct sense that it's going to be relevant in 2024 and even 2028.
1: Consider this, Roe, Oberkfell, Lawrence, the push against affirming care for trans youth, banning trans youth from school sports, this is all interconnected. Oh, by the way, a note to the Formula One circus, you're coming to the Grand Prix of Miami, or as I like to call it, the Don't Say Gay Grand Prix, I want to see a lot of rainbow helmets and rainbow stickers all over you for this race weekend. Hashtag just saying. Now, an offshoot of what we're seeing, the anti-trans legislative fights and how they're getting really nasty. One such place where it got nasty was Kansas, where legislators upheld Governor Laura Kelly's veto of an anti-trans student-athlete law last week. Now, in response to the governor's initial veto... Democratic Representative Stephanie Byers, our good friend in the Sunflower State and the first transgender Kansan to sit in their legislature, was the target of an attack on her character from Representative Cheryl Helmer, a fellow representative, a Republican from an area just outside of Byers' hometown of Wichita. Now, Helmer got an email, as we reported on the show last week, from a student at the University of Kansas criticizing her views on this trans student-athlete bill. Helmer's response, which was later quoted by several can- newspapers in Kansas, said, quote, Personally, I do not appreciate the huge transgender female who is now in the restrooms in our capital. It is quite uncomforting. I have asked the men if they'd like a woman in their restroom, and they freaked out. Again, you know who she was talking about. And still, at this time, there's no apology. But Representative Byers had something to say about it. This is quoted from her Facebook page. In my 32 years of teaching, I have never been called as many names as I have this session. I know I have a lot of trans friends on my friends list, and I do not want to upset you. You can imagine what has been said. Please take this as your trigger warning. For every negative comment, I've received at least 10 positive ones. The negatives still take their toll. I was told to let others screen my email and messages, but I felt compelled to do it myself in case I needed to file a report with the Capitol Police or Wichita PD. On the mild side, a number of good Christian folk, misrepresented and misinterpreted scripture in complete sermons condemning me but offering to pray for my soul. One woman told me that I should so respect to, quote, Actual women by denying my own gender and letting them use the bathroom in peace without the fear that I'd be in there. I've been called, quote, condescending in an email that went to great lengths to tell me how I'm, quote, less than a real woman and that women are truly superior to men. I have been called a narcissist. It's been said that I'm only doing this for the headlines. I've been called hateful. One message said, Quote, use a urinal, I've been told I can never be a woman no matter what I do. I've been told that nature itself shows that people like me and the LGBT community as a whole are, quote, unnatural. Apparently, that speaker doesn't know about the two penguin dads that raised abandoned chicks and remained partners for life or the animals in the natural world that spontaneously change gender. I've been called mentally ill, both in direct language and emails, and in Midwest Polite Speak at the well. My existence has been downgraded to, quote, a lifestyle. I've been threatened with being, quote, taken out if I'm caught in the women's restroom. The F-bomb has been pushed at me over and over. I have been told to kill myself, quote, after all. I hear transgenders are good at that. I've been told I'm useless. I've been told that I lost all my rights when I transitioned. I've been told I should move to, quote, Camifornia. I've been called a man, a he, a him. References have been made to male anatomy I don't possess. I've been called a groomer both because of my being LGBTQ and also because I'm a former educator. A number of messages have told me I should never had ever been allowed around children. I've been called a demon. I've been called a predator. I've been accused of being a rapist. Not that someone accused me of molesting them, just in general. I've been told I'm unworthy of saying I'm Native American. I've been called a pedophile. I've been called a child molester. I've been threatened to be beaten if I go to the women's restroom. And there are kids in there. Now, if you want to read this for yourself, a copy of this will be in the liner notes. Coming directly from Representative byers Facebook page. And just a note to Representative Helmer, you should be ashamed of yourself. And I trust that the good people of Mulvane, the people you represent, will see fit to vote you out. If there is any decency in Kansas Republicans, and there's some decency. Because four of your number crossed the aisle to uphold this veto. But if there's any decency, in any sense of shame, Representative Helmer should be censured, at the very least. And not to be outdone, there's the issue surrounding Fallen Fox. Now, the MMA legend has been a recent target of this type of ugliness as well. It's been found out that some past post-fight interviews that she did in her career have been digitally altered to make her voice sound much deeper than it is. Fallon on her Twitter said it. Transphobes are electronically lowering my voice in videos to make me sound like a man. Goes to show how they'll do just about anything to misgender and attempt to elude that we have advantages in sports. Now, here's a video comparison of my fake voice found on YouTube and my real one. Now, Fallon's got receipts and we're going to put these receipts on the liner notes. Just to note on this because what has happened to representative buyers, it's horrible. What's happening to Fallon Fox is horrible. And I want to speak on Fallon for a minute. Because that hits a good number of trans people. In a very difficult place especially for transgender women dysphoria is a real thing and vocal dysphoria is seriously a real thing and if nothing else it shows how far some people will go as Fox stated on her Twitter but I just wanna say from a personal standpoint this hits me because vocal dysphoria hits me. Now, I'm a person with a gut, with a good voice. I love my voice. But I also know that some people may hear my voice and would say it's not, it's not up to feminine standard. Whatever nonsense. And it's just another way for some people to just be cruel and mean. And it's hurtful. So I can relate to perhaps some of the hurt that Fallen's going through right now. And to the people that are doing this, if you want to call us out, just do it. You're doing it anyway. It's mean, it's cruel, it's wrong. But it's who you are. Now time for a little love and happiness. We got some shout-outs. And the first one goes to Kippels now Kippels the noted Twitch streamer went 24 hours straight last weekend on the Twitch had some trans glitterati around um, Chelsea Banning made an appearance Lily Wachowski the matrix made an appearance as well and by the way that interview we're gonna put in the liner notes and the reason why they did what they did was to raise some money for a very important charity the Campaign for Southern Equality. Now, Kippel's raised over $205,000 in that 24 hours to help the Campaign for Southern Equality. And from what I'm hearing, they're taking some hate for this. Now, why? Why? Why is it that people have to take hate? and take vitriol for raising money to help transgender youth and to help their families. It's sick, sad, and it's wrong, and Kipple's well done for your efforts. I'm going to give you your flowers right now. You did good. You did real good. Second shout out, your favorite race car driver in mind, Charlie Martin. Is in the Lamborghini Super Trofeo North America this year. Racing in the Lamborghini Cup class. Now the opening round is past weekend at Laguna Seca. Now that is a rough course. It is a gem of American motorsport. And she ran that Lamborghini Huracan hard all weekend. Had the fastest lap in class both days. But the Saturday race started with a little bit of trouble. Somebody rear-ended her car on the opening lap. But she fought back, got in striking distance, but the anti-lock braking system failed on her Evo 2. And her and her teammate, Jason Keats, had to abandon the race. But on race two on Sunday, they came back and they put some things together. Martin was flying out there, fastest lap in class again, handed off to Keats to seal the deal. They were third in class on the podium in her first race in a new car on a track that can be devilishly difficult. Well done, Ms. Martin. Well done. Their next race, New Orleans, May 20th through 22nd. Gonna cover that one as well. And my third shout out goes to somebody who's now a new friend of the show. I was contacted to be interviewed for a survey on trans youth and sport by a young non-binary student in Massachusetts named Maya. Now it seems that They're a swimmer, and they can swim pretty fast, and they put together a research and opinion survey on issues surrounding transgender people participating in sports for a class project at their school. Now, what followed was an interesting discussion, and it brightened what's been a rather gloomy day around here, and I want to give you a glimpse and listen to a rather cool kid. For people who don't understand, what does being non-binary mean to you? Uh,
2: yeah, so, um, it was just very simplified. It's like I could go a very long explanation, but it just means that I've never identified as a boy or a girl. And that's like, it's not like I just all of a sudden one day was like, oh, well, I'm non-binary. It just, um, it was like, it's just something I knew all along, but it took a while for me to really know what that was.
1: Now, when you compete in swimming, what division are they putting you in? But also, where do you want to be? How do you want this to work for you to feel and compete the way yeah. you want to? Like, yeah, I'm on the I always swim with the girls team. <laughs> um,
2: but I just like I really want to compete in neither. And also like for young people, it's like I don't think it needs to be gender from a young age. Like because there, there's like you have a certain purity, but really. So I feel like it just, it could, there could totally just be a separate team. That would be a lot better.
1: But I feel like, yeah, that would be great, but I don't really know. I also know what happened. There's been a lot of people who want to pass laws saying totally that good. kids like you can't be in school and kids like you can't be on a team. What would yeah, you say good. to those people that want, those laws i could say a lot of things um well well feel free you can say <laughs> it here um so just like
2: why well first of all like the kid just let the kids like play it's like not
1: i don't know right, how do i um no that's fine that's yeah, perfect and
2: like, just like Why is it just let the kids live their lives? It has nothing to do
1: at all with like
2: the like none of their identities, none of their gender have anything to do with like the lawmakers at all. Like nothing at all. So it should not at all concern them. It's yeah, I just I don't understand why they're just so it's just so frustrating to hear all the news.
1: In a couple of weeks, Maya will present their findings at their school's grad night. And then I'm going to beam them up to the transporter room so they can present those findings to you. Maya, I can't wait to beam you up. And that's the Red Alert Klaxon. You know what that means. We've got to give some love to the sponsors. But when we come back, we have a trans journalist and a hockey player who recently wrote a piece on how being on ice helped bring their transition in from the cold. I'm Carly Chardonnay Webb, this is The Transporter Room, stay with us. And welcome back to The Transporter Room. I'm your host Carly Chardonnay Webb and throughout the first segment of the show we talked a lot about the unpleasantness and what went down today in the Supreme Court, what it means, what it could mean, and that seems to be the prevailing theme of the last few months here at the Transporter Room, what things mean, what they could mean, whether it's this episode, whether it's the matter of... Trans people just participating in sport, whether it's affirming health care. There's so much in the landscape right now. You know, it's hard out here for trans folks here in this land of milk and honey we call the United States. But once in a while, you find a gem that makes you smile and makes you realize why the fight is worth it, why getting out there and playing the games is worth it. I ran across an article in CNN a couple weeks ago. And it was an opinion article. And the headline screamed, I'm a transgender player in the Women's Hockey League and that's exactly where I belong. It tells the story of someone who's had to be a survivor. They survived cancer as a child. They survived coming out. And they've survived this crazy mixed up business that both of us are in the business of journalism. Do the layoffs and the ripoffs and all the shady deals and having to change your copy every time an editor squeals. This person I'm talking about, her name is Danielle McLean. Now, Danielle McLean, when she's not playing hockey and among the teams she plays for, in addition to playing, in some women's hockey leagues around the Washington DC area. She's also a proud member of Team Trans. And Team Trans, you know, they get around, they find hockey players near and far and wide throughout North America. They all come together, they're all trans folks, we're all we got, we're all we need, and we're out there on the ice. She's an at large member of the Society Professional Journalist Board of Directors and she's the senior editor at the, smart, at the publication Smart Cities Dive. And before going there, she's worked at some big rooms, including the Boston Globe. And we're pleased that she took time out from being in the Olympus of journalism to be beamed up to be with us. From Washington, D.C., we've got Daniel McLean off the ice and coming up to our bridge. Daniel, welcome to the transporter room. Energize. Welcome So excited to be Hey, great you. great to have you here Now, wait, molecule check We better do molecule checks again, because you never know I mean, we don't want any doubles coming through You know, like the turf Daniel McLean comes through You know, Mirror Universe Daniel McLean is like Like transmedicalist or something like that We don't want that So, well, yeah. we got you here Got you all oh, in yeah, no, So, what was that? So weird I've never transported like that before. This is cool. This is an experience. Hey, this is what we do here at the Transporter Room, and it's great to have you on the on here. And I'm just wondering, what was your last season like, playing some playing a little bit of hockey?
3: It was a, it was good season. Um, it was a good season. I I was coming off a uh, a uh, I tore my rotator cuff, so it was actually I was trying to play. Um, play myself back in shape unsuccessfully <laughs> after being on the on the bench for seven months plus like a few additional months from the pandemic but um, <laughs> now, um, so i'm not like in my, my top peak physical form but uh it was it was a good season i've had some fun there's a lot of like friends and um really great people that i play with so
1: now about um, that ro- about that rotator tater cuff injury yeah, I wonder, did the orthopedic specialist who looked at you said, okay, it's just your hormones, no big deal?
3: <laughs> I'm lucky. I'm lucky that he did not. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, honestly, that's... I've heard that experience from, like, many other trans people. So I got a little lucky this time around.
1: Well, do you know what they say? Like, oh, got your cerebral cortex ripped out? Estrogen caused that. <laughs> Command... um Alexander Ovechkin's plus minus was minus seven. Uh, blame the trans people; they did that. Yeah. They caused that. No, one hundred percent. Yeah, <laughs> but obviously, got to get into the news of the hour to start with. Um, mm-hmm. The Roe v. Wade leak. I mean, what's your view on what's come down?
3: But it's something like it's like a car crash. I've been watching. We've, you know, I've been collectively watching for you know, a good solid six six years now. <laughs> um, mm- but it's it's just so, it's so bad now that it's like, well, just pretty much real. Um, uh, you know, I, I think one of the big things is, um, this is not going to, you know, people in these states where abortion is going to be illegal, um, you know, if you're, if you have a lot of money, you can go and get to another state and, you know, get a fight out there and be able to get the procedure done. Um, But like if you're poor, um, you know, if you don't have the financial means or resources or connections, um, you know, those are the people that are going to be either have be forced to carry these carry, you know, these pregnancies to term or, you know, going to be put in really dangerous health medical situations. um, And it's just, it's really sad. Uh, you know, a lot of things have been sad over the last couple of years. Uh, this is, ex- you know, particularly sad. I'm sure it must be very painful for a lot of like gender non-binary folks um, and trans men who um, also, um, you know, seek abortions um, because, you know, they're being completely left out of the conversation at the moment. And these are, and they are facing, you know, same kind of impacts and realities that you know cis women are are experiencing as well at the moment
1: what does it mean to be a to be a, a trans journalist especially in what we're seeing the last five or six years especially with some of the things you've been doing you you've covered you've covered policy, you've covered policy at the state level especially in, when you were at Chronicle of Higher Education you covered a lot of town halls when you were working for dailies so you've yeah. had to see you've seen government work and more often than not, not work uh, what does it mean to be a trans journalist doing that job and doing the job even as you're doing it right now in a leadership position, at, especially at this time?
3: Uh Sometimes it's tough. I mean, we're dealing with a lot of really important issues, Um, you know, like, you know, how cities adopt to climate change and lowering their carbon emissions and trying to, you know, ward off like the most biggest effects of climate change and kind of like helping being that news source for city planners um, and, you know, mayors and City officials, as you know, they're all trying to navigate through this. Um, you know, integrating new technology to help them achieve their goals. You know, helping affordable. You know, helping people find affordable housing um, during an affordable housing crisis. You know, addressing homelessness, crime, uh, preparing for um, you know electrification of cars and buildings. So there's like all of these. You know, I'm dealing with a lot of really important things. Um, but then there's like other times when I just see, you know, rules or laws against trans people, and I just, you know, it's tough just feeling like I can't write about it all the time.
1: How does hockey give you an escape? Ooh,
3: yeah. Hockey, it, it'll, you know, I I need I need some circle support, I need circle friends, I need a place to go to talk about uh issues, just talk about normal issues. I don't related to being trans. I have a really amazing partner that I, you know, do a lot, but I also have like a, you know, be supportive friends. And a lot of my friends just come from my social circle for hockey and I go on the ice, I compete. I like let off all this energy and the steam and all this like frustration that I have on the ice. And then I go back to a supportive bench and a supportive locker room and um, people that I love and I get to talk to them and uh, just, like feel like things are normal for a little bit and it's uh i feel like everybody has that kind of outlet or most people do um hockey's hockey's my outlet hockey's my place where um you know i can let out that aggression on the ice get with exercise and competition doing a sport i absolutely love uh you know, there's no better feeling than just going and dangling people around people on the ice and then making that perfect pass or like sniping it at the top <laughs> right corner for a goal. I just, there's nothing, but there's no better feeling. And I, uh, I just, I love the, feel, I love the feel of like the ice rake, the air of the, of the ice arena just like blowing in your face as you're skating down the ice. It has like a distinct smell in an ice arena that I love. Uh, <laughs> Even the hockey backs, all I love, I love. And then I have my group of friends and my um, support system and the people that I love, uh, largely.
1: What position
3: are so, you playing out there? Uh, usually forward. I, I After I tore my rotator cuff, I played like half a season with a torn rotator cuff. And so I kind of dropped back on defense because it was a little bit less uh intent you know intense on my shoulder now I kind of just go back and forth between defense and offense I'm 34 or nearing 35 just coming off rotator cuff surgery you know not not in my peak physical shape let's just say <laughs> and I, uh, you know so I'm starting to slow down a bit but uh uh you know, I'm not the player that I used to be, but so I'm kind of drop back on defense a little bit. But defense is fun. It's been like a new kind of way of seeing the game and playing the game, um, and just a kind of a different experience. It's been a nice like change up because I've been playing for 30 over 30 years now, and so it's, you know, my, my dad had me on skates when I was three, so it's like, um, you know, it's been a nice little change of pace, I guess, in my late in my hockey career.
1: Now I'm just wondering, where'd you grow up? Um, Massachusetts, right outside of Boston. Bruins fan? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like I got to Like I have to ask you that. How dare you? How dare, got, dare you ask? Bostonians I'm just wondering. they Bruins fan? Quick, quick hockey question. Favorite Bruins player yeah, yeah. all time. Ta- favorite Bruin player all time. Oh, Brad Marsh. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs>
3: um, <laughs> there's going to be a lot of angry people at me. Um, no, I. He is really good, though. I, I do like Brad Marchand. Sometimes I think he can go a little a bit overboard. Uh, I'd say Patrice Bergeron, just the mere fact that he played, you know, and had an entire Stanley Cup run with a punctured lung um, back in 2013. He's just such a badass. And he uh, is, like, one of the best back-and-forth players, just a pure defensive player, just really is the heart and soul of the team. Uh,
1: he's, he's really I, – I mean, obviously he's – favorite player so now one thing in the cnn article because this is the first thing that struck me is here you are fighting through chemo Mm -hmm. and i saw my dad fight through chemo and chemo chemo sucks there's no other way about that and here you are still and here and here you are you getting out there doing what you could shift to shift how much of that experience affected your experience when you decided it's time to it's time to be me and move oh, forward yeah yeah so much
3: uh, it really kind of just taught me to kind of live by the moment like a little bit in terms of like my medical history my medical health i mean being trans it's like you know it's a medical issue you know i'm trans like so i gotta go and deal with it how do i deal with it I become the gender that um you know i become the gender that I actually am. Um, And I go through the process that I need to go through in order to feel fulfilled and um, be the gender, you know, have the, my body match like what I feel is going on in my body. And so like when I was, you know, had cancer, you know, I had a lump, I went to the doctor, I told the doctor, the doctor's like sent me back, you know, it's like, oh, it's probably just a cyst to go back and like it's splitting into four. Uh, you know, we should take care of this. And like, yeah, maybe we'll just do a biopsy, see what's going on, go and have the you know, do the biopsy, find out I have cancer, or just go and I'm like, okay, what do I need to do? It's here's a chemo. It's like, it's not like I have any choices in the matter. It's just like, this is what needs to get done in order for me to survive. And I just don't think about it beyond that. I don't think about like, oh, I could die. Or I don't think about like, um, this is like, and I had a high percent of, you know, they caught it fairly early. It was fairly slow moving. I was at stage two. Um, But, you know, I had eight cycles of chemo, two and a half weeks of radiation. It sucked, <laughs> but you know, I, uh, it was just, you know, I, got to take these pills at this time. I got to take, you know, this medication at this time. At this moment, my my legs are going to burn for three straight days. And then my throat's going to burn for for three straight days. And then, like, a different part of my body's going to hurt for three straight days. And then after I play, like, this practice, uh, do this practice, uh, it's going to hurt for uh, even worse. (laughs) And so I I just kind of took everything by stride. And that's kind of, like, how I approached me trans, and I just try not to think too far ahead, try not to, let it overwhelm me, I just kind of just did what I needed to do.
1: So in the sense, you're, you're, when it came to all this, be it, be it battling cancer and winning, or just being trans, you're a grinder. That's what it sounds like. You muck and grind, you just get in the corners, you get dirty, Don Cherry would have loved you. Yeah. Yeah,
3: big hit from John, Don Cherry. <laughs>
1: What led you to write this opinion?
3: Uh, I had a former editor who was over there at CNN. They knew that I talked about playing hockey and playing women's hockey. And they actually reached out to me. And I I was like, well, I'd be putting myself in a very vulnerable spot. I've kind of been in this position where I'm just i'm like seeing all this happen and i'm trying to like you know sometimes i'll tweet about it but i like, you know i don't have that many twitter followers i'm <laughs> like you know I well make you it got two, one two you got at least yeah. one
1: because i'm following you on twitter yeah. so yes. you got one yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah i don't i don't have a very
3: big platform or, you know i'm not well known or anything like that but like i just i just like needed the I just felt like I had the story. I had a unique perspective that could like speak directly to this like terrible, awful thing that's like happening to our community. And I, I just like, I wanted to speak out like my, everything in my body just told me like, like, like if I pass up an opportunity like this to try to give my voice and my, and share my experience like, you know, I'm. I'm like, I'm almost as. You know, I'm complicit almost. It's like I. I will be letting down this community that needs a voice. Um, that needs this experience, and um, I. I just felt like it was something that I needed to do. Um, it was something that I. I'm not totally like super open about like everything about like my life experiences. Um. But, like, I just felt like it needed to be done. Um, I, and so I, I did it, and I just kind of poured my sat down. It took me about an hour, but I, pour, you know, did a lot of thinking about, like, the structure of what I wanted to say. And uh, I just kind of poured my heart and soul into it and turned out the way it did.
1: And, I, I, you know, I'm pretty proud of it. Uh, I'm glad
3: I did it, uh, and hopefully it helps some people.
1: Well, I know one person who is is touched by it. And you're talking to them right now because so much of your own story was my story. Especially the passage where you said, the first couple of years during my transition were tough. During one particularly rough three-month period, I posed as a man at work while living my true identity outside of it. Uh, That was me for about three years. (laughs) That was me. I don't know if dulling the pain is the best word, but in the sense, hockey was there. But you still played. Was there ever the conflict between this game I love and this person I love who I have to get to a better place? Did those two ever come in conflict?
3: Yeah. When I first transitioned, you know, I tried playing men's hockey and it was just, it was, it was awkward. I mean, I was trying to present male in the locker room. I just knew like people were not going to be supportive of this. It was just not a comfortable place. It was like, I had to pretend and hockey wasn't my safe space there. I was also like, kind of, I was like, losing my like, muscle mass like hormones changes everything like i don't know like listeners if you're on the fence about taking hormones uh like it really does change your body um it like you lose your muscle mass like like um like you know if you take estrogen and testosterone blockers like oh my god it works so good like it really does it changes you so much. like they're they're miracle they're miracle things it's like Oh, it's
1: crazy. Oh, no, uh, you think? (laughs) Like I tell people, estrogen works. (laughs) (laughs) Um,
3: It it works so good. Um, But like, you know, my body was changing and I was like getting dominated by these like, you know, men on the ice. I, uh, you know, I wasn't comfortable. And so I kind of stopped playing hockey for a bit. And like once I kind of got to the two year mark, I started feeling a little bit more comfortable and i was just like, you know what, maybe I'll give it a shot. Maybe I'll give like women's hockey a try and see what happens. And I didn't really tell them. I was like, <laughs> I was trans, but you know, I think a lot of them figured it out. Um, and then, you know, everybody kind of figured it out. But like, I, my God, like that team in Boston that might, that I joined kind of at the start, like a, my hockey community around Boston, are just they're so supportive. Like it was insane. Um like they just they just like love me. Like like they give me a nickname, like, you know, I threw me like went, went through surgery. They threw me a party. <laughs> like it's like um like they just they were so supportive. Like I've been to their weddings and I've been to some huge moments of their lives and you know, even when I moved to DC uh, to work, at think Progress—just um, another rest in peace. It's a former news organization, progressive news organization. That I
1: remember Progress. I remember that. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's rest in
3: peace. Think Progress. But um, when I when I came to DC, you know, I, even the community here, you know, it's just it's great. I don't know if everybody in The hockey community knows i'm trans but like you know maybe they do now but uh um, uh you know the people that did like they all love me um my partner of three years i've met here playing ice hockey like I, I, she's awesome and um you know like some, some of my best friends you know ice hockey here and you know, it's it really it's like my it's my community it's my home it's like where I feel like comfortable it's where I feel like feel like I belong um it's my happy place
1: so I'm curious what nickname did you get when you played in Boston <laughs> ooh dMac for Daniel McLean all right
3: so they gave me dMac for short kind of like
1: well first Daniel McLean is a hockey name right there. I feel like it, right? It is a hockey. It that is that yeah. is definitely a good. That's a good hockey name. That is, that that's yeah. a good solid, solid hockey name. Daniel McLean came in from came she came in from somewhere. I'm not sure, like Red Deer or like Red Deer or Perry Sound somewhere like that. <laughs> she knows what she's talking to boot when he's talking about hockey. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I really I feel like I could
3: be Canadian. I have Canadian energy. I. I don't know. I actually, I don't know. Bostonians are weird. We're kind of like the tough, like grinder out, book collar kind of hockey players, and the Canadians up there are kind of the, you know, the, oh, uh, you know, let's get, let's go out there and you know, dangle on the ice and play hockey and have fun. Eh? And I see. Bostonians are like, I'm gonna beat facing face
1: Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Now, now, one thing is, you're going through, like, for example, even this past season, grinding it out on the ice mm-hmm. you had i mean trans trans and sports were the were were among the news in all of sport i mean who'd yeah. have thought that an ivy league swimmer would bump a super bowl off the front page it happened we're the, we're the biggest threat in a
3: united states at this moment like we are we are it like the like the 10 people that play competitive sports and like the entire world are the biggest threat to society apparently that's like what we're treated as
1: well what was your just gut reaction to for example, all the leah thomas hysteria oh i just felt terrible for her um
3: god i i remember i mean this i don't know leah um i've never met her i don't know much about her story and her backstory but I'm assuming that she's probably been competing and swimming her entire life. It's probably, you know, the way I think of an ice rink is her safe space, her place that makes her happy. Um the place where she spent all of her hard work, blood, sweat, tears, like doing and trying to be the best that she can be and uh you know, here she is like still trying to do it, still trying to compete at a high level after transitioning. Um you know, all of a sudden just pure malice and just like having our entire transition just put on our microscope. My God, I could not imagine that. I just, it just makes me, it's just sad. It sucks so much. And I don't know, Leah, like if, I don't know if you're listening, but like if you are, I'm so sorry you went through that. Um, you know, let reach out if you ever want to talk um, because I'm sure this is probably just an awful, awful, awful experience. Um, You know, just people, you know, just like national news publications, like who've never given a damn about like women's sports, women swimming, all of a sudden just putting all their attention on her and like, care, like talking about her body and just like characterizing her body. And it's just, it's so sick. It's so terrible. Like, even like the CNN article that I linked into the story when talking about it, like, it was pretty pretty gruesome like i i'm just i don't know i feel terrible about it it's just it sucks
1: what was it like playing for team trans oh it was an amazing experience oh my
3: gosh i cannot emphasize enough like just playing hockey with you know just the minute you go into the locker i mean everybody just starts talking about like you know, these experiences that you've never been able to talk about and connect with in the locker room before hey it was amazing and then you get on the ice and you just see so many people that just have these like experiences um with you which it's, it's it's like it's hard to explain that feeling um and like such like that kind of like that a kind of experience um but it was it's it's like one of those like it's one of those like moments in your life that you, you remember that first time you
1: skated with Nino you know, Team Trans. It really is cool. It's now what which which two like they've played what two series so far. Which one were you in?
3: Uh I was I got invited to both. Um the Boston one a few years ago, I had torn my rotator cuff, um as I you know, I mentioned earlier. And um uh that was And I hadn't gotten the surgery yet, but I was like still doing physical therapy, trying to get into a place where I could like actually go without it like just like being insanely painful. I never quite got it to that point, but I got it good enough. But it wasn't until like after that series, and so I I skipped it, uh, and it was really it was the biggest bummer. I was so jealous, Um, and I had like so much like envy for the people that were on the ice. But like. I went to the Madison one this, this year, and it was, it was an amazing experience. Uh, I'm gonna, there's a couple others that are coming up later this fall. I don't know if they've been announced yet, but, uh, so I'm not going to
1: be the one to announce them, but mm-hmm. I'm
3: very excited for them.
1: What was it like playing in Madison? Because you guys had a good uh, series. Was... Y'all had a good run in Madison. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We, we swept the table against the, the Madison
3: Gay. Hockey Association? Um, yeah, no, we, it was, like, good hockey. I mean, there was, like, um, you know, they broke up by advanced, intermediate, and um, beginners, and, uh, you know, the it was amazing watching the, you know, and we had the practice before the night before, and they actually killed us, we did, like, back and forth on the ice doing circles and my my legs were burning but uh it it, then it was cool like watching um watching you know the you know the two other groups uh do their thing on the ice and you know have that experience and then by the time i was just like so ready by the time i stepped on the ice like i had so much adrenaline i was just like skating around the like skating around on the ice with everybody like i oh man i was like Like, I felt like uh, I was like skating, like, I was like, you know, 22, like, on the ice, like, in a big playoff game. It was, it was crazy. Like, I I was just, I was flying around the ice
1: and then just like dancing and stuff like that. It was, it was great. How much of an escape when you're hearing all this stuff is just being out on that ice?
3: (sighs) A lot of it. You know, I'm like, I'm working long hours like during the day, like trying with work and half my attention is on, you know, whatever city stuff I'm working on and half the attention is on like what's happening or, you know, less than half, but like, um, you know, rest of my attention is like what's happening in the news and which is always horrific and just, you know, after work going and skating and playing hockey, really, really, it's like my escape, it's my, happy boys to those beers in the lot right after the game. You know, that's
1: okay. I'm curious. What is your hockey beer? What's the, what is your hockey beer? What, what's the go-to after the game?
3: It always ends up being Miller light, but like really, i secretly just love lime time, uh, which is Bud Light
1: lime. Mm. So good. I I know. Don't judge me. I'm not, I'm not judging. That's just, that's just, uh, that's just serious hockey player vibe right there. I'm surprised you didn't say Sam Adams though, being from Boston and all. I, I do love a good Sam. Adams. <laughs> I love a good Sam Adams. <laughs> now, but that brings me to what—what what do you groove to when you aren't chasing a story? I mean, one thing you did talk about since—since since we got to geek out a little bit. Yeah. Here at the transporter room. I got hey, transported over. You are. Here, yeah, you're following. You're following the MCU. Yeah. I'm just wondering, of anyone in the Marvel Universe, who do you think could play, who do you think would make a good hockey player? Ooh.
3: For, just because of his, like, sad boy vibes that he's got going on, I feel like good hockey players are, like, have, like, a little bit of a chip on their shoulder, but also, like, very, you know, a little bit cocky, but then, like, can get, you know, when things go wrong, can have, like, a little bit of, like, sad boy vibes and just, like, kind of like drink their drink their sorrows away <laughs> um, <laughs> so I don't know why he just gives away some hockey energies you know plus the golden locks that he's got going on um, nice flow solid Canadian I'd say he makes a good solid Canadian hockey player um, I'd say Thor is probably my top top pick for a Canadian
1: hockey player now speaking of hockey you know what time it is you know when it you know the great time of year it is right now it's the best. The time be- of year. best playoff. Best playoffs in sports. Best. best. It is the yep. best playoffs in sports. Yeah. Who you got? Who you got?
3: Well, as a biased Bostonian, I gotta say the Bruins. Um, real realistically, I'd say it's probably the Panthers or the Colorado. Uh, the Avalanche are just like on an absolute tear. Um, the Western Conference is pretty garbage this year, but like, uh, you know, that team is just insane. Uh, I think the Florida Panthers are a very, very good team as well, though. Uh, man, they just, in the East, I can't emphasize how tough the East was this year. And the fact that, you know, the Panthers just completely dominated it. It's just, yeah, they're, they're tough.
1: No, that's I'm what's not gonna wild. Put, yeah. Every team in the East has 100 points. It's crazy.
3: Absolutely nuts. The Bruins are a wild card team, and they had like, an like a very good season.
1: Like it's 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 crazy. How did Florida get so good? How in the world did they all of a sudden get? I remember five years ago, for like a few years ago, Florida was Florida was finding people off the street yeah. to play goalie, and now here they are, the best potentially the best team in hockey right now.
3: Yeah, it's it's crazy. They've been just. I mean, I think I just got so much talent up and down that roster. I don't, I don't, I don't, honestly, I don't know how they, because I haven't thought about, I, I don't think the Florida Panthers have really entered my, fully entered my consciousness in like maybe 30, 20 years since I was young. Um, and I maybe played and played with them in the NHL 97,
1: but like, uh, oh, You you are. Br- <laughs> oh, Lord, you're bringing back some good memories right now. The NHL, um. oh, Right after this interview, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna fire up my Sega Genesis and play NHL '94.
3: Oh, that was the best game of all time. Anyway. Adam it's Oates. A, yeah. Okay. Talk about my favorite player. Adam Oates. Second favorite player ever. Second player. Okay. That, see yeah. Adam Oates. That's going yeah, back. That Bruins team. Adam Oates. Andy Mo. Ray Bourque. Kim Neely. Oh, so great. And, course, you got you know Wayne Bradsky and Robert and all that. One. It's,
1: yeah okay anyways <laughs> you're going <laughs> see you're bringing back oh no you're bringing back some very good memories there when you talk about hockey your eyes light up yeah face lights up <clears throat> is hockey a piece of trans joy for you
3: oh 100% yeah yeah it's I mean, it's like. I mean, it's everything. Okay, well, I guess find like trans joy. I mean, it brings me joy.
1: Well, whatever it, whatever yeah. it is, because I I ask this question a lot, especially among trans yeah. people. Yeah. Because I mean, the great thing about having this forum is trans people talking to trans people, and right. the one thing that I've uh, and the one thing I consistently ask, and it's different things to different people, but mainly I'm a big person about. Sports and my craft are two places where I find my trans joy because I have survived to be my authentic self doing them. So that's yeah. how I define where my trans joy is being here and being me and doing the things I love doing it. So I always ask where, where is your trans joy? What does it mean to you and where do you find it? Yeah, hundred percent.
3: I, I think like hockey is a big place with that because, uh, you know, I man, I remember like even when I had cancer, like I would like look down and I would see like the hair falling off my body and I'm like, oh yeah, this is great. Um, you know, um, like it was like that that kind of that dysphoria has kind of lasted you know forever. Like I would see like, you know, girl hockey players, like I would be fine with. I I was just always had that sense of jealousy. Um uh you know same with classmates like everywhere but like now you know just being able to play in my true authentic self like not having that burden being weighed in on you not feeling jealous just randomly and not knowing why not um you know not quite feeling comfortable when you place up the skates and being in the locker room with you know a bunch of boys it's um yeah, no, it's freeing feeling. You know, it's freeing. It's it's good just feeling like just normal. Like it's it's it feels good to feel normal and to not think about not feeling, you know, not to not think about like my gender identity now. And just being able to do it. Um it's it's a really good feeling. So yeah. It uh, I don't know if that makes sense. I was just kind of talking in circles there, but no, that like no, it makes perfect.
1: Makes sense. It, it, no, it makes perfect sense because that's how I feel whenever I toe a line. That's whenever I feel when I'm on my bike. That's what I feel when I'm playing with with my softball team here in Connecticut, and yeah, and just being out there or being on being anytime I'm in a sport, and I get to be me, and right, no, that's a big thing. Exit question. Okay. Yeah, I went McLaughlin group there. And just a note to all the TJA colleagues, we are going to do a trans McLaughlin group before <laughs> this before this this spring and summer is out. We're gonna do this. And Danielle, I want you to be a part of it. TMR
3: Christi- right will be.
1: And Christina Carl, I want you to be a part of it. And Caitlin Burns, you can run, but you can't hide. We're not. gonna, we're gonna get you. Um, we're we're gonna get you. I've all. I I, I when I wasn't when I was in high school, I want to have my. I want to. One of my goals since I decided to be in journalism is, you know what? When John McLaughlin finally retires and kicks the bucket, I want to do his show. Yeah. I want to do his show. I just want to say the words wrong, <laughs> but there's <laughs> wrong. But there's ex. But no. Exit question, because there was something you said at the end of your CNN article. I know some trans people are staying in the closet and possibly contemplating suicide because of terrible, unfair laws being passed around the country. I pray that they continue to live and that things will one day get better. What message do you give the eggs out there? Who are who are looking at this and saying, no, I better stay in there. What message do you give them as they contemplate moving forward?
3: Uh, that there are people that will love you. Um, that there is a ha- place of happiness that is out there. Um, and there is like a place where You know, you can be happy. You can be, you know, your authentic self, whether you're transitioning to a male, whether you're transitioning to a female, whether you're, you know, somewhere in between on the spectrum, Um, there's people out there that will love you and support you and care for you um, and allow you to be yourself allow you to make mistakes um, and go through those awkward moments um, that all trans people experience. And that those awkward and really tough moments are just moments and that it's not the end of the the line. Uh, Like he, like, I, I, gosh, like there's so many, people that are just facing just terrible circumstances, just like loss of family. Uh, you know, I, I know several people that have like tried committing suicide um, or contemplated suicide. It kind of felt like all hope was lost and, you know, this, what's happening right now in the news and um, this flashpoint of time is You know, it's not helping at all. It's weighing on people. Um, But things will get better. Uh, We'll just have to keep fighting. Um, But regardless, you know, there's a place, there's places where people love you and support you and just don't give up and just keep looking. Uh, Yeah, just don't give up.
1: And that's a good place to end it on, Daniel McLean. I think I'm going to be booking a trip to DC this summer. We're going to get a little oh. ice time. Yeah. That's a deal. No, we're definitely. Oh, you know, that's a deal. But I'm going. To, I can't wait to get some ice time. I've always wanted. To, I've always wanted to wear that UNO jersey I have on yeah. the ice, as it should be. This will be an opportunity, Daniel McLean. Thank you for being on the Transporter Rim.
3: I'm. Uh... Thrilled.
1: Have me back again. Oh, we're going to have you back, especially when we do Trans-McLaughlin Group on this show, babe. We're going to beam you back down because you've got some NHL players to look at. As a matter of fact, when the Stanley Cup Finals start, you're coming back to do a preview. Uh, We're going to put that out there right now. So, hey, Daniel, thank you. We're going to beam you back down to D.C. Thank Uh. you. (laughs) Thank you, Daniel McLean, for being on the transporter room this week. And before I get on to thanking all these one, all the wonderful people in Transporter Room Nation, you know I love you all, but there's something I've got to point out. If you, are feel, if you are trans and you are feeling like it's just up against you, and you don't know where to turn, I know at least one place to turn. Turn to Trans Lifeline. 877 in the United States. 877-330-6366 in Canada and I'm not just saying that as a supporter I work with them and I have for the last three years and I can tell you it's all about, it's all about you and it's all about us and it's all about community and for all of you th- who have been a part of Transporter Room Nation thank you for tuning in and thank you for showing up and if there's something you want to see or if there's something you want to say about what we do here at the transporter room or if there's someone you want to see on the transporter room and believe me there's plenty of people that i want to see here as well leave a message on our twitter page leave a message on our facebook page leave a message on our instagram page transporter room 10 forward everything i do at the transporter room i do it for all of you the people who support us That's the transporter room for this week. I'm Carly Chardonnay Webb. Live long and prosper. Steady as she goes. I'll catch you all next week. Bye bye.